Previously on HG World Presents the Gujis. They found her at daybreak, frozen and on her knees, in the middle of an open field. She had changed before the freeze. The next day, Gustav hanged himself in their bedroom closet. Jojovich found him clutching his daughter's church dress. And Jojovich is... Sleeping now. Getting along with Sister Jo? You! What the hell did you set me up with? Well, the Gujis say she's a prophet. Well, the Gujis can get fucked. My job was gone. And so was my security. These Happy Valley fucks wanted me so bad, they bought me out. You had a whole bunch of Machiavellian sociopaths out there. People without conscience. Delusionals. Raven loons. People who say hi by opening a paper bag and throwing a piece of their own shit at you. Oh, it was a fun time. <sighs> Joe wasn't the first crazy person I met on the road, kiddo. But she was unique. It was a fucking asylum when I was there, son. Half a mile up this road, we were directed to a loading dock. Away from the valet parking and the pools and the villas, people were staring in at us. At Joe, really. I got out, and, and you had all these people working around the place. Brown robes everywhere. What the fuck is this? What is what, darling? These kids. Kids from our site. What the hell are they doing here? Being saved. Sister Joe was right. There is more to you. You care what happens to these children. I just want to know what I signed up for. Magic is science unexplained. Prophecy is science and statistics and psychology and stagecraft. Oh, see what I get for trying small talk. So you were all smart about it. Why not use your giant eggheads to put a stop to it? There were infants there, too. You could hear them. Crying and crying as we, as we passed the nursery made out of an old fitness room. There were children all over. Older kids in junior cult member robes sat in circles listening to, I guess, David Koresh's greatest hits. And for a second, it seemed to make sense. And now, HG World presents The Gujis, Chapter 3. <coughs> so, <coughs> where were we, kid? Are you okay, sir? Are you sure you don't need a nap? <clears throat> a nap? Oh, fuck you, Jimmy Olsen. Let's get this over with. <coughs> uh, okay. So, just getting the timeline straight, you were working in a Maryland refugee camp, driving corpses to a dump every day when someone from the Happy Valley militia... France. France. Hired you to run a shipment to a spooky hotel in the middle of the New York nowhere. Yeah, with Sister Joe. <laughs> oh, oh, Sister Joe. Right. How many personalities did she have? No idea. I never met them all. So you got to the Mockway Mountain Resort and discovered you had delivered children instead of supplies. Correct, Amando. And then it got weird. Right. Frankly, sir, it is a wonder how anyone survived that time. You have to remember that this was a different age, kid. Before things got really bad, they were already pretty awful. 
I grew up hearing stories about the soup kitchens and tent cities of the 1920s. I lived in them through the 2020s. No soup kitchens, though. No government. Well, no universally accepted or elected ones. Just, you know, the people with the guns and the numbers to keep everybody else in line. I mean, you had communities that embraced survivors and refugees, but they were way fewer than those that would rather shoot you dead than share bread with you. Oh, it was an ugly, savage time, and it lasted years. To be certain. But I want to get back to where you left off. You heard children screaming and a priest saying, Come now, small ones. Come now and see the face of God. Yeah. And I went all crazy and things got weird. I got into this huge stone chamber and there were Dozens of kids at the foot of a stage. The priest said his thing. The curtains parted and... And what? Uh, well, it, it's hard to explain. You don't see those kinds of things these days. I really didn't know what I saw at the time. The man was just scaring these poor kids, making, making a scary voice into a microphone. Then you see these kids wigging out, screaming. It's a big noise, and your glands start pumping. <laughs> Funny thing about that. You remember specific things about those times, like they happened a few hours ago. I can reach back, and in, and in those moments of absolute pant-shitting terror, you can almost count the freckles on a guy's hand as he takes a swing at you you can just about see the expression on your face reflected in the blade of the knife. Uh, I bet if any of those kids are still alive today, I could recognize them on sight. I don't care how old they are now. You get older, and your face grows into your fearful expression. You might not recognize a kid smiling into a camera lens when he gets to be 40. But that scowl, that wide-eyed look of being hunted, uh, that survives a long, long time. What did they see? That's the thing. Every time I try to get my head around it, I see Brother Mountcastle clearly under a spotlight, hanging onto the sides of his pulpit like it was going to try and escape. Brother Mountcastle? That's the guy with the booming voice. I'll get back to him. He stood on the stage in front of the curtain. The curtain opened and bang! All I see before the lights go out inside my head are two big lumps. I know what they are. And it's, it's interesting that no one doesn't help me paint them into that memory. I know they hurt my head a little to look at. So maybe it was the opposite of why... I can see everything else so clearly. Uh, I needed to get to those kids and identify the threat. I saw the threat as the guy in the rope. I couldn't tell you if it was a theater or a multi-purpose room with a stage in it. I remember circles on the floor. Sometimes they remind me of, uh, you know, basketball lines. And other times, they're more ornate, paint, you know, painted into symbols, I guess. Maybe those bits were just the little stars and birdies you see around in your head after someone hits you in the head with a chair. Someone hit you with a chair? Actually, I, I never saw the chair. Whatever it was put me face down on hardwood, broke my nose. I... I remember shadows rooting through my pockets while floating up a flight of stairs. I, I remember blood. I remember blood trickling into my ears, smelling and 
and tasting blood in intense pain. Then my body, uh, I guess it decided to reboot. Just sleep through as much of it as it could. And, and that was that. I didn't realize how hard I'd been pushing myself or how long I'd been running until someone took the fight out of me. Between that and the happy meds they slipped me, I just, I just unclenched. It was a cool, dark place with warm blankets. Yeah. I was locked into a room without windows. Couldn't hear a thing. Couldn't see a thing, unless, unless Joe was there with her little lantern. I slipped into a deep, restful sleep. <laughs> I'd forgotten what that was like. How long were you out? Through the whole thing? <laughs> no idea. Time inside my head passed different. I don't know how to describe it, kid. Every time I do, it sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like Lucy in the sky with diamonds. But uh, I guess you can make of it what you want. Um, once I let go and just let the arms of Morpheus pull me away, I fell through a hole in the world and found myself in a boat, drifting across still water. A light, humid breeze, like, like hot breath against my face as I moved through the night. Above me, a billion stars burn, and the still black water reflected the sky. It felt as though I was, you know, sailing through space, stars above, stars below. I could hear the water lapping at the wooden sides of the small boat, and I was sure that the reason I was moving at all was because something in the black waters was gently brushing my vessel forward. I could hear it, or them, scratching and thumping against the hull. You were hallucinating. I don't think so. It was, it was a very vivid dream. But then again, not. You know, a dream is a sequence of images and feelings where time jumps about there, there is no foreknowledge about things you should not know. Like the fact that I should not touch the water. And I knew where I was going. Could see it through the dark and over the horizon. But dreams are like looking at life through a window compared to that experience. I don't know. Maybe it was a drug trip or my brain short certain but I crossed that sea of stars I felt the sickness and the fear of rocking that old boat and I knew there was a city waiting at the end of that journey I knew Doralcio was waiting for me there Joe was there? that makes sense since you said she was taking care of you I'm sure you sensed her at your bedside no kid not Joe, Doralcia, standing in the middle of a ruined city under a blanket of dying stars eons away from my bedside. Mr. Peters, I'm not a fan of ghost stories. I close my eyes and I can see it just in the shadow at the edge of the darkness, like shapes burned into my eyes. I can remember that smell. The way the world smelled back then. It smelled of rot and smoke. 
On the horizon, I saw the city on the shore. A black gash across the sea of stars that reminded me of a dead spider on its back, legs curled up into itself. There were, there were listing towers and fractured temple walls. I only knew this because I could see her memory of them through her eyes and her perception bent my own. But everything into focus with the clarity of detail so overwhelming it felt like the last instant of a nightmare before you can you know you know before you can force yourself awake but i was trapped in my boat i was prisoner to this world flashes of what i could not see coming more frequently and more clearly, the closer I drew to the shore. Oh, she was there, waiting. I am here, brother. Where am I? Drifting across the lake of dreams where sunlight hides in darkness. On frozen shores of lost Krakosa. The dead sing just to feel alive, the song their souls cannot revive, in the grip of the queen of dread Caracosa. You remember the words? Oh, like the horn of the truck that hits you. I never been branded, son. But I have the scars from hot metal left in the sun, and that's how it felt to hear her. Hear her true voice. There were no bugs, no birds, no sound of life anywhere. I still couldn't see much beyond starlight reflected off the chop of the water. The flashes had stopped, but my fear remained. It's not uncommon to have vivid metaphorical nightmares like that. Studies show that survivors in the initial year would experience fear dreams involving nature. Nature, for the most industrialized countries, was the number one anxiety source, even more than the necroambula threat. Huh? Are you my therapist now? I thought you were just reporting the facts, Marky Mark. Sorry, it just seemed like the facts are getting you agitated. And I think dreams are interesting windows to the motives and underlying prejudices of- My God! What? I did not realize until just now how huge your head is. You have an amazingly huge cranium, boy. Uh, thank you. I'm not sure how I should take that. Oh, I see you're mocking me. Yeah, just a little, kiddo. We're off topic. <clears throat> Please, continue. When I woke up, someone had bent my nose back into shape and stuffed it with packing peanuts. I, I had a metal taste in my mouth. Sister Joe was cleaning the last of the leakage off my cheeks with a warm washcloth. Welcome back. Uh, what happened to the kids? They are unharmed. I must apologize. Brother Montcastle can be a bit uh, dramatic. Did I really see? Rest your head. I'm sorry I had to put you down like a game animal, but I couldn't risk you angering the Red Monks. They would have killed you before you reached the stage. But what were those things? They are not things. They are gods. Right. Right. God. Yeah. Sure. I have tasks to perform. Sleep. Dinner. Good. Sleep. Good. Excellent. Rest. Sleep deep. The world will still be here when you wake. 
Sweet Sister Joe. The world will never see her likes again. <laughs> I hope. One moment she could be the most scattered, useless broad. The next, she could be riding a polar bear in a metal bikini. Charging a giant fucking squid beast with a pink lightsaber. Uh, she could be a force of nature. Sounds like you were close. Yeah, well, we got a history, kid. You said she was crazy. Yeah. Well, no. She was complicated. A lot of people out there in your little post-whatever utopia are able to function thanks to the miracle of modern chemistry. These days, it's easy to program yourself to be whatever you want to be, right? You want your little grunt plop to grow up to be a banker? Well, there's a drug for that. Genetic skew toward farming? No problem, because you can now excite the parts of the brain that accelerate learning. Become one of those soulless investment prodigies that prey the Gordon Gecko? Back in the day, kid, we had kind of the same thing, but they were daily doses of sanity. You took your meds, and no one could tell if you had a problem seeing or hearing things that weren't there. Take another, and poof! No more beating up hookers to stop the voices. But then, then the world stopped. No more happy meds. Picture tens, or hundreds. Hundreds of thousands of people suddenly off their meds because the local pharmacy is swarming with ghouls. Cold turkey. Oh. We lived in a time when your stress, anxiety, character flaws, every goddamn thing wrong with you could be fixed by swallowing or injecting something. So when all that stopped... Ah, you had a lot of anxious, angry, terrified, twitchy, and fucking useless people. And what did we learn from that, Marky Mark? I have no idea. All people are just fucking crazy. Right, of course. Yeah, Joe was just one of them. You know, you can piece together enough of someone's life just by listening to them over time. I know she was sick before the infection. She was probably in an institution for a time. But yeah, she was one of them functional but ill people who had to have medication to remain functional in the old order. Of course, when the whole fucking world comes down around you, everybody went bug fuck. Started acting weird. So the world kind of met Joe in the middle for a while. That's extraordinary. A world that literally went mad. Don't undervalue a little madness, kiddo. Keeps you sane. <sighs> well, anyways. I slept for what must have been... Oh, days. The cuts and bruises I carried with me were healing up... Healing up real nice. And, and I felt more rested than in a long time. And, and not that chemical feeling of coming out of a stupor or back from anesthesia. I felt refreshed oh, and hungry. I was surprised that nobody was watching the door of my little quarters when I peeked outside into the hall. Heck, I was shocked the door wasn't locked. Given that Joe had been the figure sitting bedside, checking my head and keeping watch... Maybe I just assumed she trusted me. She didn't? I learned that this would depend greatly on the version of Joe closing the door on her way out. But all of them, all the Joes were your allies, your friends. Otherwise, wouldn't they have just, you know, put you down or out the door? This old Scottish fighter pilot once taught me something important. No, actually... He put something I've always known into good-sounding words. 
clever enemies will keep you talking, breathing and working, so they know what you're up to. The best enemies will put you to work for them, and you won't know it until you've undone yourself and all you've worked for. Eh, sounds deeper with the accent he had, but there you go. I had the place to myself all the way up the main hallway of what looked like a hotel that hadn't been kept up real well for the longest time. Like that big empty hotel in The Shining. Ever see that movie? No. Uh, well, seemed like people didn't live in there, but no one bothered with tidying up. Which made sense, since it looked like the kind of place that wouldn't survive long without the cheap illegals fluffing the pillows and scrubbing the walls. Some of the doors hung open, and you could see dusty old luggage and chairs left out of place. Like the maid never got around to straightening up, you know? The windows were all soaked up, if I remember right, which I thought weird. Then I got to the main hallway of the place and took it out to this big indoor arboretum on, like, um, the fifth floor. A big open area with, with raised skylight ceilings and the kind of five-star trimmings you'd see in a big city hotel back in the day. It was almost empty. There were couches and lounge chairs around around tables full of old magazines and books. Plastic plants and planters scattered around gave it this warm, fuzzy, homey feel. There was even a fireplace. I never saw a fireplace on anything but the first floor until then. It looked like it had been used for cooking. I remember the campfire smell of wood and charcoal and just enough scent of grilled meat to make my stomach rumble. Of the few folks in that room, the only one that didn't look dead, stoned, or psychotic was this awesome old dude sitting in his own little nest of books and papers. Like Burgess Meredith at the end of that Twilight Zone show. Question. What's a Twilight Zone? Kid, that question alone means we live in a dead age. God, I would punch a monkey just to have access to the original Wikipedia. Not that, not that state-sponsored thing. Twilight Zone, kid. Do de do do do. No. God, I am so glad I'm gonna die soon because this world is just shit. Sorry. Oh well. I guess that means someone gets to discover it again someday. Anyway, this awesome old guy is sitting there, reading a book with a long title I can't remember. Fancy stuff. I realized that while I was rested, I, I didn't have a lot of energy. Sir... Mind if I throw down here a minute? Get my bearings? Have a seat, son. Nice to see someone else not walking around in a robe. You the driver everybody's calling about downstairs? Uh, I guess. If I'm the only driver here. How long ago was that, by the way? Three days. Thought you were long gone by now. You came in with Sister Joe. You know her? I know every one of her, I think. <laughs> What's her story? Well, heck, son. I ain't got around to telling you mine. Wouldn't be right telling you someone else's. Name's Mifflin, by the way. Ken. Some bright in here. All that sunshine coming in. You know, from here, the world don't look so bad. Uh-huh. You're new. That'll change. What's that mean? Means that the longer you look, the more you find goes against that view of the world. Where you from, kid? That's unknown. You? 
<laughs> Same. They give you the dollar tour of the place? I saw a loading dock, an infirmary, a really creepy chapel. Then somebody put my lights out and all I saw was a dull gray hotel room for, well, however long I've been here. What are you doing here? Reading a book and watching the sky. You don't wear a robe or talk like those other assholes. I'm not like those other assholes. Guess that's why I get a lot of time to read and watch the sky. Well, Mifflin, when you eat, uh, what do you eat? You mind field rations? Well, I wouldn't mind a cardboard box right now. Oh, well, then, here, take my lunch. I just save them up anyway. It's freeze-dried or dehydrated lasagna, so cardboard box will be about right. You drive the latest group of folks in here? Mm-hmm. Unless they brought more in while I was out. Ah, oh, is this a real chocolate bar? Wow. Interesting. They usually just turn the truck around, load up the driver with whatever he wants, and, well, let him go on his way. Never, you ever see the same driver twice? Not that I recall, but I like trees more than people these days, so I might have missed a return visit. They sure never let one into the monastery before or let someone walk around freely. Till now? Why do you think that is? Who the heck knows why these clowns do anything these days? Slow down there, Ken. It's hard keeping that stuff down when you aren't starving. How many people live here? Can't say. There's room for 5,000 people in this place. If there's a half that running around, I could still have this whole floor to myself. Most folks like living out in the pasture. Before this place closed down, there were about a dozen or so cabins out there. Really tiny houses. I hear they put people out there like it's some damn summer camp. They hunt and fish. Gives them a sense of freedom, I guess. What about eaters? Hard to get up here, believe it or not. More worried about wolves and wildcats than dead folk. You saw how rough the road is. The land looks like God just threw a bunch of different shit together. And the brothers keep watch. A troll out there. The walls and halls in this place give most people the heebie-jeebies, even without the sour pusses and robes skulking around. You're not worried that they may not take kindly to your opinion of them? I never miss an opportunity to tell them what I think. They know I wouldn't do anything to disrupt their little fantasies about being a new church of the eternal whack job, which is why I have a steady diet of reading material and food. They come to me from time to time to ask me hypothetical questions like if a water heater happened to explode, how might one go about fixing it? Or what's a good way to deal with a pathological masturbator who insists on standing on a window singing show tunes while he's offering himself to own it? Nice. <laughs> Sounds like a real tight crew. That was uh, not good, but filling. Thank you. So tell me, weary traveler, what's the world outside like? Dead. Burning. Ugly. The air smells and some places it burns your damn eyes. I kind of got used to that myself till I got out here. It all ain't so bad up to the Appalachians except for the, you know, for the roads being gridlocked by empty cars and trucks. But down towards Baltimore and West Virginia, it looks like Looks like the inside of that fireplace over there, for hundreds of miles. If the road is clear, somebody put a toll on it. Unless you got bigger guns than they do. And every town is like opening a fresh box of suck. Just not knowing what flavor of suck you're gonna get. Bandits, psychotics, eater mobs. All we got here are bugs and rats to go with the public masturbators. I hate rats. Keep an air gun here for them, turn them in for meat. Don't eat them myself. I'd eat that package before I'd touch rat meat. <laughs> rats? I'll tell you about rats, my friend. On the way up here, we stopped in a place near Redding, PA, to take a leak. Up the road comes this flood of ankle-high gray-brown rats. They came up out of the sewers when they smelled food. And boy... I wish I had a flamethrower. I hate rats. Got back in, and by the time I had the engine roaring, we were surrounded. Rats were leaping up on the bumper, sideboards, 
into the wheel wells so bad the truck spun out trying to get traction. We left a spray of vermin across the Wawa storefront and I nearly jackknifed the rig getting back on the road. <laughs> so I guess I should be happy I can still see these trees. Can't see the eaters if I can see the trees. Yeah, yeah thanks for the feed. So this is what you do. Sit up here, read, and... Watch the trees, yeah. Sometimes I go up to the 10th floor and I can see the quarry lake on the south side. It was prettier before it got clogged up with junk and people. But up there you can barely see the bad stuff. Can't wait to see the snow cross the forest the first time. They tell me you can watch it come in falling slow over the valley like God sprinkling powdered sugar across the treetops. Huh. Sounds like you like it here. All things considered. All things considered, the monsters are already inside. Difference is, we got control of them for now. What? They're inside the hotel? Monastery, boy. Get used to that word if you want to get along around here. And I'm sorry if I told you something you didn't already know. Figured you'd seen them in the chapel. If not, best you didn't tell nobody I said nothing. What's in the chapel? I didn't get a good look. I'm sure if they let you look around this long. Oh. I know those hips and shoulders coming out of the hallway. Sister Joe, I heard you were back. You lose your new pet boy here? Hello, Brother Lord. Good to see you again. Brother Lore? Annoying pet names. They hand them out at the door. I'm just mifflin' for Christ's sakes. Always nice to see you. Good to hear from Jojovich. How are the other girls? Collectively, a chorus of discord. This girl's got a reality show stuck in her head. Oh, don't tease, brother. Oh, I don't want to hear from you about teasing. Ken, did you know that one of those girls took a shine to me a while back? She stuck around long enough to get us to a nice candlelight dinner. A spicy senorita she was. Right before I brought out the wine, I turned back from the bucket to discover I'm sharing a table with Sister Scary herself. And she don't like me much. Kind of put a damper on the date. We all love you, brother. But we all share one body and... Oh, I'm old enough to be your body's grandfather. Anyway, you here to show Ken our little monster menagerie? I do wish you wouldn't put it so crudely. No, I have things to finish up. I was just a little concerned when I saw your bed empty. You never know what you'll find behind a door or around a corner. Then show me. You need to stay here a while. Regain your strength. Let your meal settle. Take me with you then. Not now, Kenneth. I want you to stay here. What if I don't? Uh, just saying. Well, I would be woefully disappointed that I spent the last three days watching over you, giving you water, bathing you with a sponge as you slept. Yes, she went there, son. Hard to turn down someone who scrubs you down with a sponge. But I wasn't even awake to enjoy it. <laughs> You're enjoying it now. I know I am. I guess I have no choice since I barely have the strength to digest food and jabberjaw with the old man here. Good. Don't try to follow me, Kenneth. I am not exaggerating the dangers of this place. I will be back for you. I'll take you to dinner. And the movie? As a matter of fact, the brothers and the deacons will be showing the last Star Trek movie in the resort theater tonight. <laughs> Again? Well, I hope dinner will be better. See you in a little while. Thank you for keeping him company, Brother Lord. I'll thank you to stop calling me that. But you're welcome. It's nice talking to someone who doesn't act like they're performing in a passion play. Ooh, that shape. What's that? That shape has got to be one of the finest forms in nature. I've seen a lot of great shapes, Ken, but that one. It's no wonder the brothers call her a priestess. You're a dirty old man, Nifflin. I'm old. I'm dirty. I'm a man. So what? Uh-huh. There's a lot of drama in that head. Never good to get involved. You're going after her, aren't you? Of course. Now, 
at that time, I probably felt about as spry and agile as I do laying in this bed. And Joe had a mission. So, just like any other guy, guided by his auxiliary head, after his primary goes on the fritz, I followed her scent. I followed it down the grand stairs, initially careful to stay far enough back not to be spotted, but then trying just to keep up. At first it was easy because there were a lot of boys in brown robes slowing her down, trying to chatter up, as they say. I could hear a voice echoing up the hallway, and the frat boy laughter of pimple-faced goons let me know I was on the right trail through the main conference room wing of the main floor. She slipped through a ballroom to cut down her travel time, and I started to get winded as I turned the corner and spotted her heading into an access corridor. I was sure that by the time I reached the access door, she would have been out one of the other doors and on into another part of the resort. Lucky for me, the door she chose was on a slow, slow hydraulic hinge. If I'd been a half second slower, I would have been shit out of luck. That bit of good fortune gave me wind enough to double my pace down the hallway. I was fighting something more than just fatigue and the blow to my head. I was sure she, or they, had slipped me some sort of drug to keep me sedated. The harder I tried to move, the more I felt the urge to just slip into a dark closet and go back to sleep. By the time I reached the door on the far side of the access hall, 50 feet felt like 100 miles and it took all I had left to open the fire door into the next chamber. Did she evade you? She would have, if I hadn't literally fallen into her destination. Do you remember the Cold War? No, I've heard stories, though. That's okay. I barely remember any of it. I spent those years more interested in Metallica and Megadeth, Black Flag and Black Sabbath. And if you ask me what those are, I will give you a wicked Melvin. Then I won't even ask you what a Melvin is and just move on. Where were you? It was another hallway. I was looking at it upside down. I guess the way some drunken businessmen might have seen it after the open bar closed at the dentist's convention. Felt about as good, too. There were dark chandeliers replaced by a string of simple work lights hung along the hallway. I don't know why. Maybe they didn't have an electrician to fix that circuit. It looked more like a mine shaft with long shadows. Each work light lit up a single doorway, and I could make out cream-colored nameplates beside the doors. And there was... that shape. What shape? You let me follow you, didn't you? I couldn't let you get lost in the mine, could I? I should have known you wouldn't want to sleep among people you do not trust. Where are we going, Joe? We aren't. You're going to lay there and hope the rats don't find you. Where are you going? To visit a friend. I wished to do so without having you there to ask a thousand questions. Come on, Joe. Don't bullshit me. If you didn't want me to come, you wouldn't have told me to stay. (sighs) How are you feeling? A little better than I look, I reckon. Think you can make it into the next room? Give me a minute. Why? The rats in this part of the resort are quite aggressive. Let me help you up. Thanks. The Cedric Ballroom. Am I in time for the reception? You are in time for a very special reception. Uninvited, but I suppose you should see this. Everything is special to you. Or sacred. Or holy. 
It's a fucking room. Yes, it is a room. But it is also a special fucking room. How did you get mixed up in all this, Joe? Did they tell you that you were a prophet, or did you apply for the job? Again, with the questions. I would like it if you would just listen and figure things out. Open your own mind and draw your own conclusions. I tire of having to argue my reality so that it fits into your own little view of the universe. Did you just tell me to shut up? No, but it is an excellent idea. It is indeed. Why don't we all pay our respects and learn more? Great. You. How's your head? I'm at a Kentucky bourbon hangover right now. We'll find you some water and aspirin. You've never had a Kentucky bourbon hangover, have you? I'm glad to see you, Brother Loving. Would you keep an eye on Mr. Peters while I prepare? Of course, sister. Wait, where are you going? I need to change. I need to, uh, slip into someone more comfortable, as you might say. You just said that? For real? She just said that? She just said that, yes. This is just... I gotta get out of here. And don't give me any shit about me having some purpose. I don't want to be part of your Kool-Aid cult. Mr. Peters. Ken. I realize that all this data thrown at you in no particular order must make us seem even crazier than you originally thought. There's really no need to hold back or keep any secrets from you, Mr. Peters. We value your cooperation and assistance. The elders can't deny your usefulness to our cause. Uh-huh. Full disclosure? Yes. Okay. First question. Let me guess. What is this church all about? No. What the hell is a guji? Yes, of course. Clinically, a guji isn't a thing. It's more of a classification. General Order 1. Generational Incubation, Enhancement, and Sustenance. Oh. I can see by the look on your face that this means little or nothing to you. Those who secured these walls worked for a secular power that knew, perhaps strongly suspected, there was more to this new plague than just some new rural bug breaking out into civilization. When Thai fishermen and island villages began showing signs of a really bad flu, there were people already looking into it. How did they know? No idea, but the gods saw fit to bring them the news, and they acted. Uh-huh. So they just happened to realize this was the end of day's virus? Uh-huh. These changes were slow at first. Remember assimilative immunonecrosis? Not a lot of Americans do. We called it the Big Asian Flu. It had nothing to do with influenza. AIN was the precursor to its eventual pervasive strain that brought the world crashing down. AIN infected you and went all Ebola on your body, melting your insides and causing the brain to go haywire. By the time it reached parts of Africa and Europe, it was able to reanimate the dead. Soon after, the dead went looking for food. At that point, the epidemic was global and people stopped keeping track of their advances. Except the brain trust, they kept experimenting under General Order 1, incubate the entities in a host, study the host while alive, then after it comes back, let it infect a new body, repeat the process, spread the infection again, watch and learn, apply any lessons learned on the test subjects to see if A, it could be communicated with, or B, obliterated more effectively than a headshot or total disintegration. Unfortunately, the original Brain Trust conducting General Order 1, G-I-E-S, used the most suitable and responsive subjects it could find. Children. Unfortunately. And that's what you do here? Not anymore. The Brotherhood emerged and took the project over from the original Brain Trust. They continued to rescue children along the networks the original workers created. Are they inside here? <laughs> Not right now. They come, those who can, to visit. I know this is a lot to digest, Mr. Peters. No, it ain't, brother. It's just that I'm not sure I buy it. Don't get me wrong. If you guys are doing bad things, it ain't my problem. And from the look of Skull Crusher Mountain Resort here, I wouldn't be able to do much about it anyway. So there's that. We have our good points, Mr. Peters. Such as? Well, first among equals. We've made contact with the force working against us. What does that mean? What if we could coexist with them? The Eaters, I mean, understand what they want. Perhaps have a conversation about where they come from, where they are going. We could learn a lot from them. 
And we have. You talk to eaters? Yes. After a fashion. What's that mean? After a fashion? We commune with them. We've uncovered more than just a new sentient species of life. We've unlocked the secrets of the universe. Now, are you prepared to enter the lounge of airs? The what? Oh, fuck it. Just show me something. Wait a minute. Do I smell fried food? You do indeed. One of the skills we teach our children is how to farm, raise crops and animals. If we are ever to emerge from this human zoo one day, we'll need real skills. One luxury to come of this is fried chicken Fridays. Better than the colonel's, I must say. Which brings me to the contents of this chamber. What? You need to say a magic word or something? No, but words are important in here, Mr. Peters. The red monks live to serve with much more enthusiasm than even I possess. Lead on. This is the Lounge of the Airs. Wow, this place is a bit ripe. What's under the big tarps? We'll see as we get closer to the center. Around us are works of art salvaged from the temples of our old world. Offerings to our betters. Stationed around the room, you'll see our red monks. Monks in red robes. Got it. Very cranky looking boys. Big, too. I'm surprised you found so many robes in size husky. Mr. Peters. And all this is here to serve what, exactly? They serve the heirs. And who the fuck are the heirs? Hello, Mr. Peters. Oh, uh, hello. You. Fuji's Chapter 3 starred James Baxter as Ken, Brian Lincoln as Mark, and Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Joe, featuring B. Busby as Mifflin, Peter Cavell as the priest, Stacy Dukes as Brother Loving, and Alex Gilmore as Brother Sloth. The episode was written and directed by Jay Smith, show running and voice direction by Brian Lincoln, editing by Brian Lincoln and Scott Pig, sound effects and full engineering by Scott Pig. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Michael L. Stokes. Music direction by Michael L. Stokes and Jay Smith, featuring original music by Michael L. Stokes, with incidental music by Kevin McLeod and Jonathan Colton, used courtesy of the Creative Commons license. HG World is a production of 3015 North Studios, with content used with permission under the Creative Commons license. For more information on this production, visit us at www.goodmorningsurvivors.com. You can also search for us on Facebook, or find us on Twitter at HG underscore world.